All right, spiritual formation, introduction, here we go. So I want to talk a little bit about um, kind of what I mean when I say spiritual formation. There's a million things we could say. There's a, so many things we could talk about, about what spiritual formation is or which sources or what all that means or what the disciplines are. Or should they be called disciplines or what are the inner stages of the critical spiritual journey? There's all those things which are great and matter. We're not going to do all of that during the next three months. So what I just want to try to talk about is what we're going to set up today. This is kind of what I mean. And all those other conversations can be part of what we talk about, and we'll enter in here or there, or we'll, we'll find through our books, that kind of stuff. But this is kind of what I mean. This is the centering conversation for our spiritual formation conversation. So when I was thinking about formation, there's four different um, kind of things I thought of that um, have to do with formation that are just like normal kinds of things we think of. So the first one is like letter formation. You guys know what I mean by that like letter formation this is that first part of your thing there um, so like my daughter in her school has been learning cursive the past couple of years and they talk a lot about proper letter formation so they spend a lot of time with like they have a printed this is the perfect approved American cursive standard letter formation and they have to like copy it you know like 10 E's yes so we're writing down letter formation in one letter yeah Oh, okay. Sure. Like L E T T E R. Yeah. Okay. I'm just confused by that. Yeah. I'm sure you I am explaining it currently. Um, so they focus a lot on like those details and getting it right. And every little detail matters because it's producing the skill and it's producing the habit so that you can write quickly and legibly, right? Like it, but the little practice goes into the, the big picture accomplishment. Does that make sense? So that's one thing I think of. Another thing I think of, though, is word formation, which is different than letter formation. I mean by that more like, here we go, because um, I know you're going to ask. I'll get ahead of it. Um, more like this word, which is etymology, which is like, a, it doesn't really matter if you know what that is. I just know you're going to ask when I said it. It's basically like how words become words like what is their history how were they used is there a language of origin from them how did a word become the word that it is does that make sense so word formation is a different kind of category of formation i think and that's that's rather than just like the detail of like you have to get the letters right this is like this word has an origin and this word came from somewhere and it kind of has like you know back in the 17th century it meant this and in latin it meant this and those things combine to make how we use it now it's, it's that kind of idea like words are formed by history and by influence and by culture and by time and all that kind of stuff. Is that making sense? Mm -hmm. That's a type of just formation in the world. A third one I, I think of is like rock formations, like in geology. And I don't know tons about this, except that it exists. But basically, you could say, like, this is a big rock formation, right? And how did that happen? Over a long, 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 long period of time mm -hmm. with water streaming through or, you know, dirt eroding away or all kinds of things. And it's like, now we've got a rock formation. And there's tons more that could be there. But, but, the amount of time that goes into this now being solidified um, is, I think, part of the formation idea. So again, it's over time, but rather than word formation, which is a little fluid, you know, like it's kind of a, we came to this meaning and it's, this is how we use it now and it's continuing to grow based on how that word fits in this society. Rock formation is like, that rock is there. Unless you like chisel it away, it's not gonna change, right? Like it's pretty permanently set after that amount of time and after the different, um, like weather influences on it and stuff, it's kind of there. So like, I hope that that rock is gonna be stable if I'm gonna stand on it. I hope that it's where we want it to be because it's really big and it's gonna be hard to move. You know, like you gotta get it in place right because after that amount of time, 
that's what it is. Like that's the foundation you're going to have to build on. Um, the fourth formation I think of, maybe the most important, is like in football, like a football formation, right? Um, but that's like a bunch of different people lining up in a, in a pattern that they agree on. Like this is the formation we're going to line up in, where the linemen are going to be, where the tight end's going to be, where the receivers are going to be, where the running back, the quarterbacks are going to be. We may move them over here or over there to try to trick the defense. Like we're going to, we know we're going to line in a certain way purposely so that we can accomplish something that we've planned on accomplishing. But that's a type of formation where we all kind of talk about it and agree and get together that if we get in this formation, we can accomplish this goal. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I saw, can I tell you guys about a t-shirt I really like that has to do with Michigan football? I'm going to. So uh, they, I saw this t-shirt that said, so Michigan beat Ohio State in Ohio last year. It was fantastic. And I saw this t-shirt that has a picture of the state of Ohio. And it just says, tips for driving in Ohio. And all through the play, through the state, are just diagrams of our six touchdown plays. That's how you drive through Ohio. Oh, fantastic. Wow. Big fan. So that kind of formation matters. You want to line up in a specific way that we all agree on, that we all know about, so that we can accomplish something that we are working on together. Does that make sense? Not yet. Maybe someday. We'll see. It's fantastic. Okay. So those are different ways, I think, of formation. And I think all of those things can kind of parallel to what we're talking about when we talk about spiritual formation, like different sort of emphases. And all of those things contribute to how we are formed into the kind of people that God wants us to be, intends us to be, and is working in us to create. It's not just about us working on it, although that's part of it. It's also about time that contributes to it and different influences that are bigger than us and more powerful than us. And then kind of working together to come to a place where we can form something stronger together than we would be individually. Does that make sense? All those different factors, are, I think, are going to function into, factor into our spiritual formation and how meaningful it is for our ministry. So let's just kind of go through those as like metaphors or um, analogies or illustrations and talk through um, how spiritual formation works itself out in our lives. So your blanks there um, for the first big section, formation in the small things. Formation in the small things. Um, so if you're thinking like that letter formation practice, like this is small, it's little, and I've got to train myself how to write a cursive E and how that's different than a cursive L and how that's different than a cursive U and all those things. I want to get good at that so that when it comes time to write an essay, I can do it fluidly. But it's small things that matter. It's creating a habit. It's letting little convictions to do it right kind of accumulate so that I can write an essay beautifully. Does that make sense so far? Um, so here's the uh, first passage I want to look to. Flip to Exodus 33. It's one of the passages you'll probably hear me talk about a lot. So we'll just get started today. Um, Exodus 33. Some of these passages on your sheet we'll spend more time on today. Some of them will go fast. Some of them I may just mention and tell you to kind of do on your own. Um, but Exodus 33, let's read there. And we'll start in verse 7. We there? Exodus 33, verse 7. Um, so here's what it says. Um, now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. This is after the exodus from Egypt, by the way. They're kind of camped out in the wilderness, figuring out where they're going to go next. Um, so he called it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, how many times the word tent shown up here? So many times. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. 
Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to his tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face, as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young age, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. So a couple things I want to say about this passage for kind of this topic. Um, Moses knew the way God was interacting with the people of Israel at this time, the way God was interacting with humanity at this time, was a little different than he does now, right? Like he's kind of has his people and he's leading them a little bit more visibly, tangibly through the wilderness. So he tells Moses, hey, set up this place out here where you know you can meet with me, where I know I can meet with you. We got to remove it from everybody else because when I come talk to you, it's kind of, you know, different and loud and bright sometimes. And let's just remove it a little bit so we can have a conversation. And other people, you know, they would pray and worship and those things. But the kind of interaction of like, I'm going to talk to him and get counsel and direction and wisdom from him. God was like, hey, let's have a conversation over here. It's different than it works now. But I think some of these principles still connect to us. Like being able to say, I've got a place and I've got a time that I know I'm going to meet with them. And when I meet with them, you know, if it maybe it's 530 in the morning and I make my coffee and I sit on my couch on the right side of the cushion so that my armrest is here, and the, you know, whatever it is, wherever your spot is, like I got my spot. And it's different every day. You know, some days it's like moving and meaningful. And some days it's fine. Some days I read and it's the right thing to do and I journal and I pray a little bit and I go on. It's a mixture of those things. But I know I'm going to get up and I'm going to meet with them. And, and I think, like God is obviously bigger than needing my schedule to be able to interact with me. But I just think God is probably pleased with, I know if I got something to work on with Ben, I'm going to see him at 530 on the right side cushion of the couch and we're going to have a chat. Like, I think he just likes knowing that. And he's going to interrupt my day when he needs to, right? He's going to blow up your world when he needs to. He'll get your attention somehow when he's ready to get your attention. But I just think he loves knowing where you're going to be. I think he loves having a place that this is our place and we're going to talk. Um, and I think it's good for us, too, when we know this is where I go. This is where I meet with him. This is where he is. He's met me here before. I'll meet him there again. Um, I think God loves that. So I think that's a big deal. And then when it says he spoke with Moses face-to-face, like one speaks to a friend. Like, I, I hope you guys have had some moments that feel like that. You know, it's different. I'm different than Moses. You're different than Moses. It's not quite the same. But I th- when I read that, I'm like, yeah, I, I think I know at least a little bit of what that feels like. You know what I mean? Have you ever had that? Or it's like he was just right there. He was just right there. And we met, and we talked, and it changed everything. Um, I don't know the last time he had that, but, man, it's, it's good, you know. Um, I love that Moses had that. I'm on for the day we get it more often. Um, but I think having a, like, this is the place, this is the time we're going to be with him is a big deal. Here's the next thing I want to drop from this passage I think is really, really important. When it says that Joshua did not leave the tent. This is my favorite part of this verse. Joshua didn't leave. You want to be one of the next generation leaders. Joshua's the next generation leader after Moses. I just think there's something to Joshua saying, I may not always be the one who gets to go in there. I may not have quite the same thing that Moses and God have, but... Maybe I'm going to be the next guy. And if I'm going to be the next guy, I want to stay as close as I can to where it's happening. Um, and so for us, for you guys who are like entering into you know, a new phase of leadership, you're not in charge. There's going to be a lot of rooms you have to sit outside or you know, that kind of thing. But get yourself to the place where you know he's speaking. Get yourself to the place where you know he is and just set up camp and don't leave. And as long as you can stay in the presence of God, you stay. And as long as you listen to his voice, you listen. And as long as you can get in his presence, just get in his presence. And that's going to make you the kind of guy who could take over for a leader like Moses. I'm guessing that the transition wasn't hard to figure out, partially because God said, Moses, it's Joshua. So that's helpful. 
But I bet Moses wasn't like, are you sure? I don't know. I don't know if he's ready to interact with you like that. I don't know if he's ready to obey you like that. It's like Moses hands the baton off. We don't get in scripture any sort of argument or disagreement or uncertainty about it. He hands it off. And then the first big interaction that we see between Joshua and God is God saying, be strong and courageous. I'm with you. Let's go take the land. And Joshua's like, great, let's do it. When do we start? I mean, he's ready to go, I think, because he knows the voice. He didn't have to learn it because he's been sitting outside the tent for years. So get yourself to a place where you can hear his voice and learn it and know it and love it and be ready to go. And he says, go. I think that's the best thing you could do. And so it's those little small things. Like I, I wonder how many people knew, like Joshua's sitting at the tent. I wonder how many people knew what Moses was talking about. I wonder how many people got the ins and outs. I'm sure Moses didn't just interact with God when it was like big decision time. It's like whenever his presence was there, he went. Sometimes it's big. Sometimes it's like, he's here. I don't know. Maybe they just talk. I don't know what they talked about. But it's the little things of like, I'm going to meet him. 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 Then when it's a big thing, I'm not surprised. I'm not confused. I'm not sure if it's him or not. I know his voice. Let's do it. Um, So do those little things. Form those little habits so that when God speaks, you're ready to say yes. Um, That next one, Luke 4, we don't need to go there. Let me just tell you about it real fast. That's when Jesus is going to go into this hometown synagogue, and he ends up reading from the scroll of Isaiah. You remember that whole thing? And he says um, that he has good news for the poor. He's been anointed to unleash the captives and all that stuff. And then he ends with, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, and then they try to throw him off a cliff. It's crazy. It's a great chapter. You should read Luke 4. But what I love about that at the beginning of that passage is it said, on the Sabbath, Jesus went into the synagogue, as was his, you guys know? What is it? custom so on sabbath day he went to church because he always did it's a little different than church it's probably a little more involved in church honestly every sabbath day it was his custom he went to the synagogue i think there's just something about do you think jesus loved it every time i doubt it i do think jesus ever felt like this is not a very good teacher i don't think that's what my father meant like i i I don't know if he loved it all the time or was great all the time maybe he's too perfect and his motive was always pure i don't know but it was his custom. That's the only one we hear about. So for 30 years, he's going every week to sit and learn and sit and hear and sit and pray and sit and worship and be with everybody else. And they don't know who he is. He knows exactly who they are. They don't know who he is every week. And then the one time when it's time for him to go, he's there because he's always there. And they know him, which kind of makes it harder for them. But he's made the custom. He's had the habit of going and attending and being there and so I just think these little things of like do the habit show up every day be part of it all the time and then when it's time to move when it's time to serve when it's time to speak when it's time to act you're there you're in position you're ready to go Um, I think that's just so much of it's practice and cursive show up every day and it's not going to feel magical every day but it's practice and then when it's essay time you're ready Um, next one Hebrews 4 12 to 13 Um, let's flip there it's just a little one but I think it's good to see it because these powerful verses. So just, um, let's see them. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 13. I think Hebrews is always a hard book of the Bible to find. You guys ever feel that? Yeah. For the longest time growing up, I was just like, where is that? I could, and I could even recite the Bible books. And I'm like, I know where it's supposed to be. I can never find it. Where is it? <laughs> and it's big, too. I, would always, I don't know why I always miss it, but I always would. Hebrews chapter 4. If you need a minute, I'll give you a minute. Uh, Hebrews 4 and verse 12. I mean, this is kind of an interesting passage because these verses seem a little disconnected from before, but I think it's talking about 
the exodus, well, I know it's talking about the exodus. I think what the writer's trying to do is say, like, these people had to wander and had a difficult time because they were disobedient, they weren't paying attention, they were doing their own way. And he's talking a lot about that and how someday we're going to enter rest, which is kind of like heaven, and if we would just obey, we could get there. So that's kind of what he's teaching. And then he, it feels like a hard shift into talking about the power of God's word. But I think, he's, I think the dots are connecting with, like, if you would just obey early on and let his word guide you the whole way, you wouldn't have to wander for 40 years. Does that make sense? So I think he's trying to draw power in these couple of verses to this whole years and years and years and years worth of life experience. So verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So what I would say for your blank here is let him have everything. Let him have everything because he can see it anyway and he can get it anyway. But I think so much of our formation in the little things is being able to say, even in this little thing, God, you take it. Even in this little thing, I'm not going to hide it. Even in this little thing, you search my heart, you know my attitude, you know my motivation. It's easier to hide our motivation than it is our actions, usually. God sees it. He's not surprised. Let him have everything because he's going to get it anyway. Um, And I think when we do that, they get in the habit of like nothing is hidden because he's going to find it anyway. So I'm just not going to hide it. You can have all the little things, all the big things, all my decisions, all my thoughts, all my actions, all my choices. All of it is on the table before him. So that when we read his word, it convicts and we act because we've already surrendered it, you know, which is way easier to say than do. But I would just say give him everything. And that's part of that, like practice your formation and all the little things so that when you die someday and your character is like fully revealed and there's no more you can do to hide or massage it or lie or manipulate, there's nothing to hide because you've let him have everything to start with. Um, So just let him have all of it. And I think then when it's time to present, You've got every letter right. Does that make sense? You got a question? I missed your blank on the... the oh, the other one. Position yourself to hear from him. Sorry about that. I told you I like Exodus 33. I got excited. Position yourself to hear from him. And then let him have everything. So formation in the small things. Uh, here's the next one. Here's the next one. Formation that is ongoing. Formation that is ongoing. So we talked about that word formation, right? That it's like it has this language of origin and over time it's meant this. You guys ever see, maybe you don't do this. I look up words fairly often, like I, I Google them. And you, it'll show you like the, its usage over time. So it'll be like in the 1700s, nobody used this. And in the 1800s, they use it all the time. And now we don't say it anymore. But it'll show you this little graph, you know, when words are used. Over time, these things are formed. Over time, these things take shape. Our formation can be the same way. It takes time. There's an ebb and flow. Lots of factors contribute. God is kind of guiding and shepherding this process. If we submit to him, then he's producing in us the kind of character he hopes to produce. And he doesn't cause everything that happens to us, but he's kind of working to redeem, working to restore, working off of everything in our life to create in us the kind of person that he's ready to form us to be if we surrender that to him. Is that making sense? Mm -hmm. So formation that's ongoing. Um, For this, I think of these two words, sanctification and humility. You guys know what sanctification is? Who can define that for me quickly? You're nodding, so. Uh, just becoming more like Jesus, purifying. Yeah, yeah, purifying, like becoming more holy. Um, to be, like, sanctity is like holiness or, mm-hmm. you know, set-apartness. So sanctification is a fancy word for becoming more holy, basically. So sanctification and humility, I put those two words together here. Um, so Galatians 5, 22 to 26, let's, let's look there real fast. Galatians 5. 
Um, so Paul here has just talked about a bunch of things that we need to avoid because they're going to be detrimental to our soul. They're going to derail our life. Avoid those things. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Um, so your blank here, before I forget, is you can't have spiritual formation without the Spirit. You can't have spiritual formation without the Spirit. I just love that Paul, um, he, like I said, he's just kind of given this list of like avoid sexual immorality, avoid idolatry, avoid witchcraft, hatred, jealousy, all these things, avoid those things. But then what he says is, but if you work hard enough, you'll be patient. That's not what he says. Avoid all those things, but the Spirit will produce in you this list of things. And if you want to live that kind of life, he says, keep in step with the Spirit. I love that language. Because it's not like Holy Spirit power and all of a sudden it's over, although he could do that. It's more like the Holy Spirit is moving in the world to do things. And if you want to move with him, then like pick up your pace. Keep in step. Let's walk together. And the Holy Spirit's going to do this stuff as you go. So he does dramatic things, can and does often, um, hopefully in your life does, will. Um, but the primary invitation of this passage is keep in step, have an ongoing life, ongoing sanctification. Does that make sense? But that's not going to happen without the Spirit. You can't just produce those things in yourself. You can try to be loving. It's not going to go very far. The Spirit makes you that way. The Spirit produces that in you. Um, so we've got to lean into the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, and that ongoing live your life with Him kind of way in relationship and interaction um the next one first thessalonians 5 16 to 18 it's close there so let's turn over did anybody know this passage just from the reference you guys know it what it is no. okay it's okay i always praise yeah or pray continuously uh, i like uh, always uh. praise it's good okay First uh, Thessalonians five sixteen. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Always pray for Rosie. Yeah. <laughs> Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Um, these are great little verses. These are good ones to memorize. Just tuck away. Uh, be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Um, just kind of the consistency of that, like always, continually, all circumstances. That's pretty all encompassing. Um, I love, too, that it says this is God's will for you. You know, how much of our life has been saying, what is God's will for this situation? Well, at least his will is that you be joyful, pray, and give thanks. And do those things and then see what else he sorts out. But I know it's those things. Um, So do those things for sure because that's his will for you. But that consistent, always, ongoing, all the time kind of thing, um, I think is a big deal for our spiritual growth. Your blank there is regularity, I think, produces stability. Regularity produces stability. So... By this, I mean sometimes to speak to, like, quiet time. Again, like the Exodus 33 stuff, like, regularly have things built into your life because that's actually going to make you stable. It doesn't just make you busy. It makes you stable. When I know what to expect, when I know where I'm going to sit, right? It's a big hubbub over the seating this morning. When I know where I'm going to sit, there's stability, and that helps me know what to expect and know where to go, and it just takes some unknown out of things. It's helpful. Stability is helpful. I think when you have – if I know – Whatever comes, I have joy in chaos and peace that makes no sense, right? Because I built my life on Jesus. Always, continually, all the time, there's joy there. 
Um, and when I know that's always there, when I'm always going to give thanks, hard things come, but I'm going to give thanks. Um, when I know that, there's a certain kind of stability to Jesus, right? He's not going to change. He's not going to go away. My feelings will change. My circumstances will change. All that stuff that you know. But I think if I can just turn back to like, over time, I am going to be kind of an accumulation of this series of things that happen to me or things that I do or all kinds of forces that contribute to making me who I am. The most powerful force that contributes to making you who you are is the spirit at work in you and your commitment to build on the one foundation that doesn't move. Other things around you move, but if your foundation hasn't, then there's stability there. And when you're regularly saying, I will be joyful, I will give thanks, I will pray, I will have patterns. When you're formed by something consistent, your life will be consistent. When you're formed by everything that blows at you, then you're just blowing around, right? I think you guys know that. I don't need to convince you. Um, But just hear it and sit in it. Regularity produces stability. Have a regular life with him. Let part of your ongoing always development be like all through my life, this happened and this happened and these forces happened and this job happened and I moved here and this was hard and my parents this or my, all that stuff. Those things are happening. But all through it, the most consistent thing has been I'm reading the Bible, I'm praying, I'm giving thanks, I know who Jesus is, I've been to church, as was my custom, every week. All throughout my life, forces are going to shape you. The most consistent ones could be Jesus, and that will make you into a certain kind of person that will form you in a deep way. Does that make any sense? Okay. Flip the page. Next one. Um, your next blank is a formation foundation a formation foundation which makes me think of um, in 101 Dalmatians when they're going to have a Dalmatian plantation remember that's been stuck in my head all day because I've been thinking about this so a formation foundation I'm thinking here of like the rock formation thing like something that's built and strong and takes a long time but once it's there it's there it's sturdy um, and which can be great right because it's firm and sturdy and hard to move and stable and you can build on a rock that's dangerous because if you're trying to form something that turns into something that solid, I hope you're forming something worth forming where you want it to be. Because at some point, now we never, you know, the spirit can always work in us. The spirit can always change us. You never get too old to change. You never get too old to change. Um, but you might feel like you do. And once some things are ingrained in you and some patterns and habits are built in you, it gets harder and harder to change the more solidified they get. So make sure we're building the kind of foundation we want to have. Uh, because this is the time when it's the most flexible. Um, so Romans 5, Romans 5, 1 to 5. All right, Romans 5. Now it says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. So all these things that could happen to us, especially here in this setting, there's like sufferings, you know, real ones. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Suffering doesn't produce discouragement. It produces perseverance if you don't give up, right? Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. I think that's such a great promise that can be a difficult one to latch onto. Hope does not disappoint us because the amount of hopes in this world that disappoint us is pretty staggering. The hope of him does not disappoint is the promise here. 
which is, I, I don't know about you, can be hard to hold on to. It's like, I've had a lot of hopes disappointed. This one doesn't. Um, we need the stability. We need the rock. Like, he doesn't disappoint. Um, but that, that whole thing, like, suffering produces character, or suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. Live in that movement, right? Live in that ebb and flow. Suffering doesn't produce discouragement. It doesn't produce giving up. It doesn't produce burnout only. <laughs> suffering produces perseverance. You persevere through. And which doesn't mean you just knuckle under and fake it. It means, like, I will persevere with community. I will persevere with strength. I'll persevere with my disciplines that have carried me this far. I'm going to keep going. I'm not giving up because I'm going to persevere, and that's going to produce character in me. When you persevere through hard things, it changes you. You guys, you guys have been through hard things in your life, Some of, all of them different sets of them. But I know you well enough to know there's things in your life that have been challenged. There's things in your life that have been really hard. Some of you, like, really hard really hard but all of us you could look back on your life and be like man i'm the product of a lot of things you could also because you've leaned into the spirit in you because you've let god form you because he's your hope i bet you could all say i came through this and my character is deeper my character is better i'm a healthier holier stronger person because i didn't quit because i persevered and perseverance produced character and now I know the next time I face suffering, I have hope. That's how that goes, right? Suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. Because I now see God working together for the good of those who love him in all circumstances and are called according to his purpose. Then I get to the tail end of that and say, so next time I need him to work things together for my good, for our good, I have more hope he can do it because I've seen him do it, right? That's how this works. So don't give up when it's hard persevere through and we're building a foundation to build on he's the foundation to build on and he's working in you to produce character that's a firm foundation in your life also so here's your blank let god form something lasting in you let god form something lasting in you don't give in to the temptation to just want everything to be fast and quick and easy it will not be and if that's our hope you're going to be so disappointed and you're going to give up so fast if your hope is god's come through in hard times he'll come through at the next hard time in between i'm going to praise him for that and when the hard time comes, I've got hope that won't disappoint. Then that's something lasting. I can build on that. I, you guys know more about this, but like when um, when we had Elliot, things were really hard, really hard, so hard. Um, who we are on the other side of that is so different. I mean, I'm you would not recognize me then. You wouldn't recognize Joe then. Who we became because God was faithful is so different. And then who we were able to be when Shiloh was born is so different because of what we went through that first time. Who he makes you to be in those hard times builds something in you that is now like firmer and stronger, which doesn't mean it won't get hard, which doesn't mean it won't get shaken, doesn't mean there's not earthquakes, of course there are, but it's firmer, it's stronger. We can take it on, you know, and because he's done it in you. Not because you figured it out, because he did it in you. And because you guys have probably all heard, maybe you've even said at times, you guys have probably all heard the people who are like, I'm the only person I can count on. When no one else was there for me, I was there for myself. I'm going to be strong. You guys see this stuff? I think it's a very worldly way of being and thinking. That's not going to last very long. Like the next time something gets hard enough to break your back, it's going to break your back. But if I know I got through a hard thing that I could not get through, it is only by the sustaining power of God, only, then that's lasting in me. Myself, my strength is not lasting. He is lasting, and he can only produce that in you um, through perseverance. Next one, Matthew 7, 24, 27. You know what? Let's not turn there. Let's go faster because I'll keep talking too long. What's, what's happening in Matthew 7? 
shout it out if you know. What is that? Sermon, yeah, the end of the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus is finishing up the Sermon on the Mount. He's just done a whole lot of teaching. And this is the passage where he says, the rains came down and floods came up, and the rains came down and floods came up. Right? But the house on the rock stood firm. You guys know that song? Okay, somebody does. Good. Um, but that's what he says. If you built your foundation on sand when the rain comes, it's going to wash away. If you built your foundation on a rock, the rain comes, your foundation is still built on a rock. It's the same idea. Over time, God has built something in you that lasts. And if you build on him, storms come as they may, and you can enjoy it from inside. But if you don't build on him, if you build on sinking sand, then when the rain comes, you'll sink. And you'll be miserable, and you'll be afraid and scared and anxious the whole time, too. Um, But build on him. Um, So what I would say for that one is build now. This is kind of my charge to you from this one. Build now, because you don't know when the storm will come. So don't wait for the storm to start building. This is part of, I think, our formation, our spiritual formation, to say, I want to put habits in place. I want to have a meeting place in place. It doesn't mean that every morning I never sleep in and it's always perfect all the time. Relieve that stress. You don't have to be perfect. But meet with him. Put yourself in position to hear from him, wherever that is, however that is, whenever that is. Get in the habit. Get in the rhythm. Get in the routine. Know his voice. Hear his voice. Build a strong, firm foundation. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Because the next time the storm comes, you're going to have to persevere. So what am I going to persevere on? Just the fact that I hope it's okay, or am I going to persevere on something more lasting? And if you build now, when thing, when you know, before the major storms come, before the next big one comes, I'm building a foundation. If you build it now, then your life will be stronger. I, I heard, I think it was Craig Rochelle once say um, that if you do your 20s and 30s really, really well as a Christian, then your 40s and 50s, he said, are really fun, which is the age he's in now. I'm doing ministry, and I don't know what you think about him, but he's doing what he's doing really, really well. And um, I think there's so much truth to that. I, my 20s and 30s have been great. They've also been hard, and I've had to lean into a lot of sanctification. I've had to confess a lot of sin. I've had to learn a lot about how to wake up early. I've had to learn a lot about, you know, doing what I said I would do. All the things we all have to learn. I have to learn all those things. Um, and they've been great, too. But I'm really looking forward to, like, let me persevere and build a character that is now something to build on so that in later years of my ministry, I don't have to keep doing, you know, a thousand cursive ease all the time. I don't have to just keep practicing. I've got the practice. I've got the habit. I've got a foundation. Well, let's go. And I'm just not held back by as much. And I'm not worried about as much sin. Like we're all human, you know, but like I want to get as much of that out as I can. Get that out now. Do your 20s and 30s deep. Do them well. Do them vulnerable. And then just step into free life, you know? Um, I think that's just so true. So build now on something that lasts so that when storm comes, you're just ready to run. Um, The next one, last one. Formation for mission. Formation for mission. So that we can keep beating the Buckeyes. Formation for mission. Um, And this one I just call preparation and readiness. So I think spiritual formation really does this. It, it kind of comes right off of that. I want to I wanna confess my sin. I want to mature. I want to not just be aware of myself and my emotions. I want to mature through them. I want to leverage them for the good of the kingdom and for my growth. I want to be prepared so that when we're ready to work together, I'm not the weakest link in the chain. 
I want to get that stuff out, get that stuff confessed, get that stuff healed, get that stuff holy. Let's move forward together so that I'm not holding the team back. You know, that's what I want to be. Let's get formed in Christ so that I'm like him, so that we're on mission changing the world. Um, So Romans 12, Romans 12, let's go there. Romans 12, verse 1. Paul said, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Fairly famous passage, fairly well known, maybe familiar. Do not be conformed to the world, transformed in your mind. This is that, it's all formation kind of language, right? You see the word in there even. Don't be formed by the world. Don't be formed by feelings. Hold fast to what is true. And let Jesus transform you. Let the Spirit transform you to be like him. And then verse 3, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. That's kind of a humility call. Because what if, if I'm only not conformed to the world and only being able to be, really be transformed by the renewing of my mind, I didn't renew my mind. Somebody else did. So why would I be arrogant about how holy I am? I didn't make myself that way. Uh, so don't think of yourself more highly than you are. Verse 4, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Here's why I want to read that whole passage to you. Because those first couple of verses are very formation right? Avoid the world, be transformed by God. Don't be worldly, be godly. All that stuff. Let him transform you. That's spiritual formation kind of language. Paul then flows seamlessly into, because there's work to do together. Let's unify together, everybody do your part, and let's go impact the world. Those things are linked for him. Our spiritual formation, our individually becoming Christ-like, our as a body becoming Christ-like, makes our body impact, makes our church impact, possible, powerful, all those things. If we want to be fully unleashed to be the body of Christ, then let's each be a part of the body that's healthy and growing and transformed and not conformed. Does that make sense? I love the quick link of those two things in Paul's mind. Let him change you because there's work to do and we got to do it together. Let's get in formation here and go take on the world. Um, So here's what I would say. Free yourself to know him and serve him. Free yourself to know him and serve him. I love too in those early verses where it says, do not not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and to prove what God's will is. Isn't that cool? Again, don't we want that? I want to know. I want to be able to know what his will is. Well, one of the ways I do that is stop being worldly and let him transform me instead. And then when that happens, I can figure out what his will is because he's transforming me and I'm like him and my heart's like his and my mind's like his, so it makes sense. I don't have to wonder and I don't have to work as hard at it. He's transformed me, so I get it. You know what I mean? So I want to be able to be free from all those things that would change me, all those things that would distract me, so that I can hear him, I can know him, I can serve him really well, and we can do it together. Um, Philippians 3, like that whole chapter, we don't need to read all of that. Let me, I think you guys probably know this one. This is that section where Paul's like, you know all the qualifications that people have that are super great? I've got all of them, and I don't care about any of it. Like, that's that passage. Um, whatever was a profit to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. I consider everything a loss. Commit the surpassing greatness of knowing him. 
Um, I want to be crucified with Christ, he says, which is so cool, to know the power of his resurrection and becoming like him in his death, so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead, all that stuff. Um, there's so much in the passage that says this is so good. What I love about it for, for today's is that Paul, Paul then comes out of all that, like all these qualifications I have, but I don't care if I just know Jesus and the power of his crucifixion and his resurrection. Then he says, he goes into like, I press on for the goal. I press on towards heaven. I'm forgetting what is behind. I'm straining toward what is ahead and pressing on ahead. So your blank here is formation leads to focus. Formation leads to focus. If Paul is able to say all these worldly accolades, and in that one he's not saying what Paul was saying in Romans 12, which is like worldliness, worldly patterns, worldly ways of thinking, you know, ungodliness. Get rid of that and focus on Jesus. In Philippians 3, it's like religious accomplishment and notoriety and fame, most of which was good. Some things in there he said weren't good things, like persecuting believers. But most of it was like, I studied the law. I knew a whole lot. I came from a great family. Those are good things. I don't care about that. I just want to know Jesus. And when I get rid of all the stuff that would distract from who I'm called to be and what my identity really is, then Paul says, I'm forgetting everything behind me. I'm straining towards what's ahead. Let's go. Right? And so I want to get to the point where I'm free to know him and serve him. I want him to take away the things I strive for in my identity. I want him to take away the prideful things. I want him to take away the stuff that I would aim for to be noticed, to be popular, to be famous, to be whatever. And I just want to know him. And that's going to give me such focus to say the only thing that matters is that I get to heaven and bring people with me. Which is, which is not as simple as just, everybody's going to hell, stand on the street and repent. You know, it's not, it's not what I mean. But kind of download everything about what it would mean to live a heaven-focused life, even here. A heaven-focused life isn't just escape here. It's like, my whole world is built on, there's a world beyond this. There's a world parallel to this that we can't fully see. And I want to live like that's true now. So let's do that. And if, that, if I really believe that, if I really see it, then I have this kind of urgency, I have this kind of focus where other stuff just doesn't matter, right? Um, and when I'm formed into only caring about what God cares about, then I have that kind of focus, and I'm off to the races. And let's do that together. Let's get in line, unify on mission together, and let's go. Does that make sense? So those things are kind of what I mean by formation. Now, this was not like a, if you read a spiritual formation book, this does not feel like a spiritual formation teaching in that like academic category. But this is what I mean by why it matters, why we do it, um, why it's worth it to have a quiet time, why it's worth it to know what the spiritual disciplines are and practice a lot of them. This stuff is why, because we're building something, we're forming a life so that we can be who God made us to be. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Any questions or thoughts on this stuff before we wrap up today? You'll find I don't mind waiting past the point when it's like, it's been long enough, right? Starting to feel a little awkward? I'll keep waiting. Because that's usually when somebody's like, maybe I will say it. So I'll just give you a chance. Okay. All right. Um, let me prepare for lunch. And we'll have lunch together. Um, I think we'll eat these two back tables, slip the chairs around, second years, lead the way. You know how we do. Uh, and like always, somebody's just going to have to go first with the food. Just break the ice. Somebody go first. Preferably a lady. Okay? All right. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you that you form us more and more and more into the image and likeness of Christ. Thank you for renewing our minds day by day. Thank you for transforming us from one degree of glory to another every day. Um, Thank you for being at work in us so that we can will and act according to your good pleasure and purpose. Uh, 
Thank you for preparing good things in this world for us to do. And we want to be the kind of people who are ready to do that, who are free to do that. We want to be, God, we want to be free from worldliness and worldly ways of thinking. We don't want to be deceived by hollow and deceptive philosophy that sounds so good but just makes us dead. We don't want to be like everyone else in the world. We want to be formed by you. We want to be formed by your spirit into the likeness of Jesus. Um, We just believe that matters. That matters for our ministry, far beyond our skill or even our giftedness. Um, I would rather have the fruit of the Spirit than amazing gifts of the Spirit. Um, I think you can work through that life so well. So God, make that true of us. Let us be more concerned about the character you're forming in us than um, the things that we get to do and lead in church world. Um, Thank you that this group now of two residency classes is joined together and um, there's a, we can just be together, do this together, follow together. Let there not be a distinction or comparison between the two, but just mutual joy between the two. Help us encourage one another and build each other up um, throughout this whole next year. But even particularly, I just pray over lunch today. Help us encourage one another and build each other up. And help us be nourished by food so that we have energy and strength to do everything you have in store for us to do today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.